Welcome to the Sencast. My name is Dale Pickles. I'm the managing director of B Squared and I am the host of the Sencast. If you are a new listener, then welcome to the Sencast. The aim of the podcast is really, really simple. We want to reach lots of people and help everyone learn more about special educational needs and disability. Yes, you can go and read stuff. We do not have the time, so let's listen instead. This week, my guest is Victoria Ellen. Victoria is a late-diagnosed autistic adult. She is an autistic speaker and researcher and uses her knowledge and experience to educate and inform others via speaking or as a content creator. And this week, we're discussing going to university with autism and ADHD. The Sendcast is created and produced by us here at B-Square. Normally, I'll talk about how good we are at assessment and showing progress, but this time, we're going to talk about Eversense, our evidence and parent communication system. Eversense feels like social media, so it's extremely easy to understand and use. It is designed to be extremely secure, a safe place to share evidence of learning with parents or external professionals. It's also a great way to capture pupil voice or use as your homeschool diary, reading diary or anything else. Visit the B-Squared website to find out more about Eversense or click on the meeting link in the show notes to book a meeting with me to take you through Eversense. Now, let's get on with the podcast. On this week's show, we're discussing going to university with autism and ADHD. My guest this week is Victoria Ellen. Victoria is a late diagnosed autistic adult who has recently been diagnosed with ADHD as well. And she is a speaker, researcher and content creator under the alias Actually Aspling. And Victoria uses her knowledge and experience to educate and inform others as well as providing resources and advice. Welcome back to the show, Victoria. Hello, thank you for having me back. Ah, no, I really enjoyed our conversation last time and lots of good feedback. So it's always good to have people back on. So university. So for lots of young people, going to university is right. It is an expectation. It's part of life. But for neurodivergent people, it can seem unreachable or something they think they cannot cope with. It it is. I remember when I was in college doing my A-levels, the thing that was always drilled into us is, when you've done this, you get your results, you apply to uni, you go to uni. And that was just the thing that you had to do. You weren't really given an option. And if you said that, I don't want to go to university, everyone thought it was really strange. Yes. I, I, when I, I'm, I'm ever so slightly older than you, maybe close to double, but that's another thing. And when I was, I was in that thing, it was you go to college, you go to university, and it was a different time. It was late 90s. And it was a time where your parents didn't get a chance to go to university. So I thought it was the best thing. It was the best thing ever because I didn't get the opportunity. You've got the op- off you go. And I did my A-levels and I had a degree. I had a place. I just wasn't interested in, it wasn't what I wanted to do. It was a bit similar, but not quite. And I was like, this is always three years of my life. I'm going to waste. But it was a lot of realize. I look back, I look back and there's a lot of uncertainty with it all. I didn't know very much about it. It was very different to my current lifestyle where I was working and going to college. So I had quite a bit of money coming in. It was a lot of uncertainty, but everything told me I had to go to university. And I got my A-level results and I got enough grades to go, but I just went, I don't want to. So I put it off for a year, took a year off. 
And all of my friends, I was the only person out of my entire college group who didn't go to uni. And definitely for that first term, it felt really lonely and really weird. And I thought I'd made a really big mistake. And then I kind of forgot about it, got into work, and I never really looked back. Yeah. So going to university is a whole question in itself. It, re- it really is. <laughs> and it's a financial thing, and there's lots of different ways you can do it. But in certain careers, you need that degree, and you have to go to university to get it. There are also degree apprenticeships, which are increasing in popularity. And what's great about them is you can work and earn and also go to university and it takes a similar amount of time, but it's much more practical. So if you are someone who likes a more relevant thing, so what I'm doing, how's this going to work in real life? You're doing it at the same time, but they are in limited areas. So they're in definitely in computing. There's a lot of them and other areas, but they're not in every area. So that's not always an option. But the problem, my problem with going to universities you're sort of 17, 18, and you're supposed to know what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Oh, it's it's terrifying. I know people ask you as a child, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? But for me, that changed so much. When it got to finally picking what I wanted to do at university, I, I still had no idea. And originally, I picked something that I thought I wanted to do, and it turns out I really really didn't like it so I ended up dropping out eventually because I was forced to go to university and it just didn't work out so what made you choose that course because I hear lots of people because it is a big university discussion time and there's people are going I chose the course because I liked my teacher of that subject (laughs) (laughs) that's it I picked to study education because I liked working with children and I thought, oh, I could be a teacher. But then I slowly began to realize that I didn't want to be a teacher. It was too much hard work and I didn't think I could do it. So I ended, I just gave up in the end and I couldn't keep up with all the work I had to do at university. Everything was just so much at that point. I just thought, this is not for me. That's the thing. Being a teacher is you have to know what you're getting your in for and you have to be right. And and I think one of the things I remember talking with Fintan O'Regan about ADHD and stuff like that is one of the questions he always asks with ADHD is, do you get on better with people of different ages, i.e. not people your own age, but younger or older? And that's the thing is I still do. Yeah. If a kid walks up to me, it's like, I don't know how to have fun with you. It's really simple. You just talk about these things, you talk about that, you kick a ball around. It's simple. You talk to grandparents, it's easy. You talk to people your age, it feels like you're competing. So I think I think I had a similar thing is my mum was a teacher. I got on well with the kids. I do things. And in certain ways, it showed me I wanted to be a teacher, but it wasn't. It was kind of my ADHD just meant I got on with kids more. And so now I coach, I, I used to coach football and I loved it. But yeah, being a teacher is a whole different thing. I commend people who do teach. Yes. But I... I relate to that because I do I get on really well with kids and I like kids and it's fun but day in day out just teaching no I don't think I could do it that's the thing is I think as you grow up I think if you're a family of teachers it's kind of you follow in the footsteps because you know what to expect 
and that's the sort of thing I knew what I was going into. My mum was a teacher, is but I just saw the amount of work, and I also, from my experience, I used to go into my mum's school and have fun. She was doing more work. I wasn't really into that. I was more into so things I, I took priority in other areas. But I think other people they just know they want to teach with no experience, and they go in, and that's great. But yeah, I do think there is that pressure of you have to know what you want to do and you have to go do it now. You have yeah. to dive into university the moment you finish college and you've got to get going now on that degree. And that's it. I think some of the subjects that I did at A-level, I I don't actually know why I chose them, but I knew that I didn't want to go on to do those at university. I already knew that. And then I was forced to kind of pick something because you're told you have to do it now because you've got your deadline to apply, just just pick something and go. And then when you leave college, that's it. We don't want you anymore. Off you go. Yeah. So my daughter, at the end of her GCSE, she had no idea what she really wanted to do at A-levels. And as a parent, I looked at what she was good at and went, well, if she does that, there's lots of career options, so do that. She was, but I also like geography. I went, if I could do geography because you enjoy it and you're doing well at it, your grades are good. So, yeah, do that as a kind of a backup. And that's the thing, at secondary school, my kids and my youngest, they don't enjoy their subjects because you're not really getting into them. It's about answering the questions for the exams. You're not finding a love for the subjects. If you have it already, you'll love it. But if you're not finding that love, and at A-levels, my daughter found her love for geography. And the other two A-levels are useful and she enjoys them, but she knows geography is where she's going and she has that passion and it is the bit I've really enjoyed in a year, I've got watched her going, I have no idea what I want to do in my life to a year later. And she knows exactly what she wants to do, the area she wants to do it. And it's great, but not everyone is that lucky that they find what they want at that age. Yeah. I I say I have a friend who it took her a while to figure it out, but she went to university and studied geography. And now she does, she studies volcanoes. (sighs) And oils and under the earth kind of. I don't exactly know what the title is. It's really fancy. It's but, bit, she, yeah, she studies volcanoes now. It's phenomenal. That thing. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky enough. My daughter is looking at university. So I've experienced this. And she's not doing geography. She's now going to marine. She likes the coast. So we're doing oceanography and marine sciences. And now she goes, actually, I want to do the animal side. So we're now going to marine biology. And... I'm literally looking at, so in, in, in the third year, we're going to go uh, scuba diving with sharks or rays in the Bahamas. I'm going, that's just not fair. And I'm wow. going, then the other half might go, well, I've never been to university, so I'm pretty sure I could probably get those tuition. Yeah, I can go to uni. Yeah, I can go, I can go with my daughter. Wouldn't, wouldn't cramp her style at all. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> oh, wow. I think I'm in the wrong profession. <laughs> But that's the thing is I'm I've been really fortunate. So we're at the start of the journey. So we're looking at universities and my daughter is spectrumy somewhere. We I don't we don't know where yet. She doesn't reveal much, but so it is quite an interesting experience where I have to let her lead. And that's the hardest thing. Letting her grow up is letting her lead and me follow. Cuz if I lead too much, she's not really going to think and she's not going to reveal. I won't see what her worries are. So she's kind of got a lead. So that's one bit inexperienced. But what I found is, and I, I, th- I don't think I knew, I, I think she didn't really understand what university was going to be like at all. 
And that was really interesting. She had no idea what the living was like, anything about the campus. And I don't know if it's because I had an older sister, so I had a bit of a glimpse before I got to age or what. But it's been really interesting watching her learn about university. So the most interesting thing is she thought she was going to take her cat to uni. Oh, wow. It's a bit of her support thing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no. She went, what? She's got to stay here. And you just saw the look on her face going, what do you mean I can't take her? Then we got to the first university. We looked at the accommodation. I went, do you now see? She's like, I now see why. That's it. I think when you're in college and they're telling you all about university and what to expect, until you actually go to a university and have a look around and experience it, you don't really know what to expect. No. No. And it is, it's, I've, I've really enjoyed watching her eyes open to what it's like. So to me, you, the subject you choose is kind of a little bit irrelevant for uni. Yeah. <laughs> for this, this, this conversation, the subject you choose is kind of irrelevant. It's, it's all the other bits around it, I suppose, we're really discussing on this podcast is actually what it's like, the support you get, the there's a lot of organisational skills you need, a lot of things like that. So talk about your journey. Talk about you kind of looking at uni, kind of going from there. What was it kind of, what, what did you think you were going to struggle with, all those sorts of things? Go. I think <laughs> the first time I went to university, it was very eye-opening and it showed me all the things that, I needed to do next time, if there was a next time, because at that point I wasn't sure that I'd need to do. So I ended up going back to university about five, no, it was more than five years ago, six years ago at this point. And I decided that I'd go and look around at multiple unis, apply to different unis. I only got into one, (laughs) which narrowed down my choice. But then I looked at campuses and stuff and I decided that I wanted to stay at home because I didn't, I, yeah, the idea of moving away just scared me. Yep. And my husband was already at the university that I was going to go to. So that made it a lot easier. But there's loads of different things. Like I didn't know what support I could get because I was undiagnosed at that point. I didn't know how to get there, all the things I'd need. And I didn't realise how full on it was going to be. Yeah. It's it's just, uh, there's a lot of different things that you need to take into account. Like you said, that what you study is important because you want to enjoy what you're studying. But when it comes to picking your university, it's irrelevant. Yeah. Once yeah. you know what you're studying, there is, there are different levels, but like the fact that my daughter's doing marine biology, you go to different universities and some have phenomenal equipment and some don't. And yeah. that will make a difference, but actually what's going on around that course is having a much bigger impact on yeah. my daughter's decision. Because it's all about the campus itself, what the classrooms are like, what the staff are like. There's so many different things that you need to consider, as well as like equipment and stuff like that. But are you going to enjoy yourself while you are there your surroundings make make up a big part of that yeah and that's the thing is we've been looking and we and what i love about going to universities and when you visit universities you're generally there are lots of current students there 
So go talk to them. That is going to be your best source of information. Whatever you hear in that lecture theatre is interesting. It cool. It tells you about the topic. But talking to that person who's showing you around accommodation, who's standing there giving help, but ask them, what course are you doing? What do you like about it? What's the worst part? Why did you choose this? You Bombard them. What do yeah. you wish you knew before you started? What's your biggest regret? All that. It's just, it's been really interesting, the information we got back. So talk about universities. So for those who didn't go, to me, there are staying at home is a big option. And depending on where you live in your universities, so you might have a lot of options, you might have a couple of options. But staying at home, I think, in terms of getting the support you need is a really good option because you're not changing your living environment. You get to go home to your house, your bedroom, your cat, your dog. You get to walk in your local area. It's really comforting. You kind of you kind of can be out of your comfort zone. You travel, you're there for the day, but you come back. And that's what you've done. That's what I did, yeah. It's, I found it easier, yeah. Yes, and it's also a lot cheaper. Yes, yes. <laughs> so staying at home, some people feel and say part of the university experience is learning to live on your own and all of this. And that's great if you can cope with it and you want to. That's the thing. If you can cope with it and you want to, great, go do it. If you can't, then don't. I think there's a lot of, I can't think how to word it. If you try going into halls and you can't cope with it and you decide to come home, there's a lot of like shame around that for the fact that, oh, well, you went to university and you couldn't handle it and you can feel really like like a failure. Yes. But I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of. No, we the most recent one we went to, we went to Bangor University, which is miles away from where we live. And the person who took us on a tour said that for the first two years, they commuted from Chester to Bangor, which is Anglesey way. So it's quite a journey. And every day she would do that commute. So that I found really interesting. And I think that was a, I would love to work out the financial savings of the thing, but the main reason but is you can travel sort of an hour from home and you can access universities within that side, but it gives you that confidence of being at home, that comfort, that's all the support you're used to having is still there. And that's the thing in reality, the main thing you want to be, it's three years of your life. You want to be regulated. Yeah, you want to feel comfortable. Yes. So the next, when you, if you're not going to live at home, universities still have a couple of options. There are very much campus universities. So my friend went to Loughborough, and Loughborough, the campus is out of town. It is for the first year, everyone kind of lives on that campus, but generally it is, I think he lived there on, the cam- on campus for two years. And you can literally go a month without leaving the campus. Oh, wow. Type thing. Unless you want to go out shopping or thing. He was in catered halls. He didn't have to leave the campus, which, again, if you don't like doing much, that might be better. And then the other type is very much within a city. Yeah. So very much is you walk out of university, there's a shopping centre opposite you, there's halls over there, there's this there, and you're right in a city. And I also didn't realise is there are some really small universities. 
So certain universities, like the University of Cumbria, have different campuses. And I think and I think the University of Lancaster. So some of these and some of those campuses are really small. They specialize in certain subjects. But one of the ones I looked at literally was a university was in a village. Oh wow. And that was the size of it. So there is a scale and there's lots of options around the setting of that university. And when we talked to my daughter's college said, you need to go visit five universities. And we're visiting a complete range. And it's really giving us lots of things to think about in terms of the size of the city or the town, how busy it is, where it is. My daughter likes going for walks. So what is the walking like? Can she get away? Things like that. So we're at that zone. We're looking at actually it's the campus and its location is a real big factor for us at the moment. And that's it. It's good to explore lots of different options so you can get a feel for which one like suits you the most. Yeah. And it's been really interesting. What we have found with the student accommodation is it's the same. Yeah. (laughs) Whichever university we've been to, We've done four now. You walk into that student accommodation, it is exactly the same. They might be slightly newer, slightly older, but they're the same size. And what I love, and it's given my daughter lots of confidence, is generally with most accommodation, it's like a flat arrangement and you will be like maybe six or eight bedrooms, sometimes four, but six to eight is quite common, sometimes even 10, which seems a bit bonkers, but that's, if you're a party person, great. And generally, you have six or eight bedrooms, where in that bedroom you have your ensuite, you have your bed, you have your desk, you have your staff, you have great Wi-Fi, but you have a communal kitchen dining room. And there's space for everyone's food. You fight for a space in the fridge. There's enough cookers and recycling. And and what I liked is they have like key fob locks in nearly every university. Everyone in the combined flat, yeah, in your section, can all access that front door but only you can access your room. Oh, that's good. So that's a really, it sounds really obvious when you probably think about it, but until someone says that to you, it's like, oh, cool. So yeah, so they all, eight, eight people access the communal area, but my daughter is the only person who has access to her room. That's very reassuring. It is. And I think the cleaners do the communal area. They don't even go in your room. Oh, wow. See, I, I don't like when people go in my room and try and clean for me. So that's that's good. For my daughter, we're having lots of fun. She doesn't like outside things in her room. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole level of we're working towards. But the fact that no one's going to come in her room unless she specifically invites them gives her a little bit of control and confidence. So the fact they've got great, why all that, it, it's actually going, yeah. And we haven't been to university yet, which doesn't have that set up. Yeah. Now, if you are really rich, you could go to university with studio apartments. If you're really rich, you can get the Portsmouth University had some amazing accommodation, huge amounts. And you can, some of the buildings, which were really tall, had sky lounges, which was basically a a communal room, but on top of the building. Wow. And they had flats up there and kind of the floor, as the floors went up, the price went up. So you could be on the 30 or 20 something floor with an amazing view over Portsmouth, but it's going to cost you. I'm not sure student (laughs) finance would pay out for that. No. So the other thing to think about is, and again, don't know this is an option until you find out and you go, is lots of universities have options around who's in your accommodation. 
So generally, it's completely mixed. Yeah, you book a room, you have no idea who the other seven are, but a lot of them do kind of give you WhatsApp groups. So they try and create some, get you all, before you actually turn up, you start communicating with each other, which was really nice. But you can, in lots of them, you can request maybe female only. So you're only in an apartment with women. I'm sure there's a male only as well. If there's female only, it probably should be male only. You can also request non-alcoholic. I think some of them you can request quiet. You can request this. So if you're worried about being in a block with a load of drunk people or people who are partying and you're just someone who likes your bedtime routine at 9 p.m. and you need quiet, you do have some flexibility around those options, which is quite nice to hear. That is nice. I wasn't aware of that. But the fact that you can ask for those things gives you peace of mind, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it's been really interesting. But then there's all the pros and cons of who you... Yeah, it's just it's been really interesting of, of what you get and all that lot. But yeah, so there is a lot more options, a lot more flexibility than they realise. And it's, just, it's more than they can put in that book. Yes. That's the thing. It's more they can put in that book you send out. And that's why going and asking questions is really, really important. Yeah, that is the one thing I would recommend. Just go have a visit, talk to people, because you don't know until you get there. No. And what's interesting is although you have these communications, generally when I've talked to people, you go, how many people are typically in there? They go, generally it's just two or three, unless you come in like at 6 p.m. where everyone's cooking dinner, then it's busy. But apart from that, it's generally quiet in here and you can sit here and sometimes you might be on your own. So again, it's asking that and you can't have your own appliances in your room. So you can't have a little plug-in thing or anything unless it's for a medical reason, like uh, insulin in a fridge and things like that, but you're not allowed. So yeah, so that's something you've got to think about. If you think, oh, I'll just stay in my room the entire time, you can't, you have to. But you do have lots of options. So I think what's been great about that is the accommodation is now not a worry for my daughter. From not knowing what to expect to visiting four universities, my daughter's kind of going, yeah, it's going to be great. I know what it's going to expect. I know how it's going to be. That's like a worry we've now put to bed. Yeah, something less to think about. Yes. Food food is interesting. Laundrettes. One, do, one thing I have found with all laundrettes is it's all app-controlled. One thing I do find really odd is when your load, your washing is finished, it just opens. Oh, and I'm thinking, well, if it's locked, if it's app controlled, surely it should be locked till I get there. But I think if they did that, people just wouldn't go get their washing, and all the <laughs> machines would be out of use. So I kind of get it, but it does mean when your washing machine finishes, you want to be there. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm one of those people that puts washing on and then forgets. So yes. So I, I quite liked a couple of the universities. Some of them have just a big laundry building. And it is just nothing but laundry machines. Others had like a bit of a seating area where you could work next oh. to the laundry machines. So it's just a case of you put your machine on, it's going to be an hour and a half. I'll work for an hour and a half. And I thought, so, so many different options. And that's what I've been mean really, it's like by finding a house. Yeah. Every house is different. Every university, everything is different. So it's worth going and looking. And like to me, where we are in my daughter being in year 12 and just starting year 13, it's the city, it's the campus, it's that accommodation. That's our worries. Yeah. They're the big things you worry about. And then we're now sort of working out kind of what's the next level of worry. Yeah. Which has been interesting. So for you, 
going to university, you obviously chose your university. Kind of what was the next sort of thing you had in the course? What was the next kind of thing that you like either worried you or impacted you or you didn't think about? I think once I'd picked what I was doing in the university, the thing that worried me the most was applying for student finance. I, it's, I still find it really, really scary. <laughs> why, why, why do you find it scary? I find filling forms in really difficult. Okay. And I'm not very good with maths and money and working things out. So trying to apply for a student loan, which is all of those things, I just find it daunting. Interesting. So one of the things I always find, some of the questions aren't written the clearest and you can be, well, do you mean this or this? Because I could answer it two ways. And I get angry when I see a form like that. But did you talk to the support at university? I didn't, I don't think. I didn't think about it <laughs> until it was too late. Because that's what I find is every university we've been to, you have all these courses, but generally somewhere there is like a student support section. And I just said to my daughter, let's go have a look. She said, why? I went, I went, because I don't know what's there. And that's one thing I've learned in my old age. If you don't know, go find out. And then when you know, oh, I'm not interested, you find you know that. But we walked in and there was all the finance stuff. Yep. So it was all about how much are the tuition fees? Where does that money come from? The loan, living loans and all this lot and how much we can get. And, but they were there. They're, what's really nice is they are there to help you. Yeah. And they will help you fill in those forms is my understanding so any questions about that they are there to fill it in and you got to think about they will because if what's preventing you is filling in that form from going to their university they're going to miss out on lots of money yes yeah they want you to come to the (laughs) university so it's beneficial for them to help so they will help you out on that form filling and we found a couple of universities are really good at explaining the financial implications the situation what this means and what I also find is very much, most of the stuff I see is very much your first year costs. Second year two and year three is not really mentioned because you're going to live somewhere else. So you can also ask them, and go, what's it, what's it like in year two? What's your typical costs? So it gives you a much better understanding of all those implications around the finances. And we found them, we're talking to them, really, really supportive and great to talk to. And there's a lot of people going, yeah, just call us. Not like, yeah, here's the form, go away. It was really, we found really engaging people there to support us, which was great. That's really nice. I know for me, when I first applied, I'm one of those people that wants to know everything. So I yes. would want to know about year one, year two, and year three. Yes. Just, just so I have an awareness of, okay, well, when I'm done in year one, I know what to expect. And just to be clear, for those who haven't been to university, you're not sure, is generally in most universities, year one, live in halls. But year two and year three, generally, most universities don't live in halls. They have to find their own accommodation. But generally, there's loads of student accommodation. They'll find some friends either on their course or people they get on with that they live with, and they'll get a house together and the split bills. So, yeah, for most universities, I think when we looked at recently, they have in the halls they have a gym and if the year two and three students work in the gym they kind of get to go to the hall they stay and they're allowed to stay in the halls so there's lots of different ways because halls are really nice because it's what you've looked at year two and three you can go live in a house somewhere but sometimes people start commuting from home they go to the first year at uni in halls and it lots are depending on that 
but yeah, going and finding out all that support at every open day, there will be a section about supporting students. Yes. There's the finance side. There's the disability side. There's, and that's there's physical, but everything. But also what we found is we found generally someone there talking about autism, ADHD, dyslexia, and all the support they can give you. And it is phenomenal. What I've, my limited knowledge of uni so far, they seem the most supportive of neurodiversity. And they have a lot of people I talk to get diagnosed at university. Yes. Yeah, that was me. (laughs) Yeah. Because university, if you think primary is very much child is there and the parents and the teachers are talking about the child then you get to secondary and the parents step back and it's the child in the school and the parents are there if things aren't going right or to monitor as you get to college the parents take another step back and aren't hugely involved which watching on various parent groups for colleges around here is a bit of a shock to those parents that are not allowed to be involved university has got nothing to do with the parents and they're living away from home for often for the very first time. And so the parents aren't there to give them all those little support things, making sure they're keeping up with the work and things like that. And a lot of the universities we've talked to, that is when people are struggling with their work and they tell people that's when they're going and they're realizing or they're struggling, they're having those conversations. That's when they're getting diagnosed. Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense because you are essentially on your own and you do have to be independent and things do slowly like creep up on you and you realize that oh okay <laughs> yes that thing that's that your mum always does that for you she haven't really twigged why she does that only mum not not even twig but she just know you need it so she does it and that happens and life is great and then you go to university and that's not doing it you haven't noticed because you don't and then suddenly it becomes an issue yes yeah and you realize <laughs> <laughs> So there is a lot of diagnosis going on at uni, but there's also a lot of support. So if you go to uni with dyslexia, there's a lot of support they can give you, text-to-speech software, equipment, and things like that. So if you have a diagnosis or you think you might be on that open day, go find those people and talk to them, yeah? Don't be the shy student, yeah? This is your the rest of your life. And I know me saying that to you is like saying, put your hand up more. Yeah. I know. I know. I have two daughters who hate putting their hands up. Okay. But university is kind of that moment where this is your life. This is your future. And you don't know what you don't know. The people you talk to at university are kind of quite different to what you're used to at secondary or maybe sixth form. They're a different breed of people. Um, different pressures, different reasons, lots of different things going on. You are also now an adult talking to another adult rather than a child or feeling like you're a child talking to an adult. So you will have a different response. And if you're not, ask your parents. If you just go with your parents, just ask them, I think, what is my support? But you don't want to leave that open day without having that conversation is my advice. Yeah, because the disability support, honestly, it's a game changer it makes such a difference. Yes. And you don't know what there is unless you ask. 
No. And one of the things is if you think I can't go to university because I can't do this, go have a look and find out. Rather than you making your decision for you without any information, go talk to those who know. Yeah, that is a huge thing. Talk to people that have been through it yes. and can advise you on the support that they got. Yes. And talk to those who can do the support. And they'll sit there and go, oh, yeah, we've got lots of students there. So what we do is we have this every week and we just get these to come along to here. And then by doing that, it just may making sure you're on track and you're not getting behind. And there's lots of things like that. And it's even just they have lots of – I think my university has talked, they have lots of like – I'm going to call them tutor time, but they call it academic tutor time, mm-hmm. which yeah. is how to write your dissertations, how to research, how to – so all the skills you go, well, I don't know how to do this. It's like – yeah, I think the universities get you don't when you arrive. So they're going to teach you, as well as teaching you about the topic, they're yeah. going to teach you how to research, how to do this, how to access this. There's yeah. a lot more than I realise going on at the universities, which for me, I am a lot more confident at dropping my daughter off at uni and driving away. I think, honestly... <laughs> that going to university is easier than doing A-levels because you get more support and you are aware of the support you need. Even though it's independent, there's just there's more to it. And doing and I, A-levels, I just I found it really, really difficult. I, I think some of that is, I'm going to be psychological, that it's kind of where you feel you are in your life and the control you have. So I think at A-levels, you still feel like you're a child and you're still kind of feeling that school thing. Mm-hmm. And I think you're sitting there going, whereas I think when you get to university, you're going, this is how I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to do. You are much more independent, which means you can shape your life better. But some things that I have heard, some people say it is hard. It depends on what you're doing. But to me, you've got, if you feel more regulated, if you're more comfortable, more things like that, you're going to take on what's coming at you. If something's not right, and that's when you're going to struggle. And I've seen lots of things where people dropped out of university. And when I see the conversations, they didn't access those support services. Yeah. And I get saying, just go talk to someone. It's so easy to say. I know, I know those things. Yeah, I've I've been there a bit and things like that. And when you don't want, you kind of curl up in a ball. That sort of thing is, it's hard to go reach out. Yeah, and if you don't want to physically talk to someone, send an email. Yes. That's the benefit of so many different ways of talking to people is you don't have to have that face-to-face conversation. One of my daughters couldn't say the word anxiety because she was scared of admitting it. She would message it to me, but she couldn't say it. And it was just so it's those sorts of things. Is saying face-to-face is one thing, but just sending an email. But I also think tutors, these things are getting better at noticing so if you aren't turning up, they will reach out to you. Yeah. So so interesting. So you've been to university twice, technically. I well, just wanna <laughs> I did, yeah, I attempted a first time, went back a second time, graduated, went and did my master's, graduated, and now I'm in my final year of my PhD. So I've been at university for about seven years at this point. Wow. I don't want to leave. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to that master's and PhD thing in a minute. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing is, it's not one shot and you're done. No. Yeah. It's, you don't have to rush into it. You don't feel you have to be there the September after you finish college and go to university and do that if you're not sure. If you've chosen the wrong course, depending on when you notice, you might be able to change. You might not. You might be able to, there's a lot, there's, don't think of it as once I've made this decision, it is my life set out. Yeah. Don't just go, oh, yeah, that'll do. Make as much an informed decision as you can, but you will learn a lot. Yes. And you oh. might realize what I thought this was going to be is not what it actually is. Or actually, I don't like this. It's I liked that teacher. and I've seen that in quite a few groups recently that actually they had that teacher for A-levels, they stayed on it for GCSEs, they stayed on at sixth form, had the same teacher. It was a teacher they liked, not necessarily the subject. Yeah. So be sure as much as you can, but don't think this is a one-shot and then you're done. Yeah, things change. They do. Sometimes it's inevitable. It's just knowing that it's okay. So one of the questions my daughter asked me, and I, I actually couldn't tell her the answer, is the university we looked at, they often have a bachelor's, but they also have the master's. So it's a four-year course where you do your bachelor's and you do another year for the master's. And it's interesting when the person, the coach said, oh, yeah, because if you do a master's, it's really good at getting going towards your PhD. <laughs> I'm going, so that's the only benefit of a master's. You kind of not sold that very well. <laughs> and so I go, well, why do you get a master's? I went, well, to, apparently just to get a PhD, which isn't quite right. And she went, why do I get a PhD? She went, so you want to be called a doctor, or if you just want to stay at university forever, then you can teach here. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I said, it's kind of a fulfilling circle. If you do the PhD, you get to then be a lecturer here and teach the next generation. So if you love doing all the research and love doing what you do at university, you kind of get to support other people doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But although there are these four-year courses to do your master's, you you don't have to do the master's straight away. You can come back. Yeah, you can take as much time as you want and then just reapply and just do it whenever you feel ready to do it. Yes. So we've talked about choosing. We've talked about that. What was it like for you starting uni? It was really scary because I decided that on my first day, I was going to reinvent myself. I was going to be someone that people liked and I would buy new clothes and I'd get the best notebooks and pens. And when I got there, everything just fell apart because I couldn't like keep up with the fact that I had to buy new clothes to fit in. And I wanted to try and talk to people. And then I ended up spending most of my time on my own. But once I realized that I didn't have to do all of that, it was much easier. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's interesting. I think my daughter wanted to go from college instead of going to sixth form. She wanted to go to college, not to really reinvent herself, but over that secondary school, she changed. And the friends she had that she stayed on may not actually be into the same thing she's into now. So I think she just wanted to be more of herself, not change herself, but be who she is now and be more open with that. And what she's found at college is people are more of accepting of who you are yes. than at secondary school. And I, to me, I think university is that continuation. 
So to me, I think university is the place where you can be that person you want to be, not others want you to be. Yeah, I realised that eventually that I could just be myself and people were okay with that. I, I think it, that comes from your time before that where you feel pressured into conforming. Yes. Oh, yes, 100%. I felt like I had to be a certain way and that going on to university, I still had to continue with that. Nah, you can be whoever you want. That's what I love about it is there are so many different people you will meet for so many different life journeys and experiences and you're all meeting up, mingling. And I think you take you can take a lot away from university in terms of this is the way I live my life and it works for me, but there are lots of others and they're all perfectly good. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, is that, but in terms of, I'm going to say lectures are not hugely different to going to A-levels, or are they? As far as I'm aware, I don't think they're much different. I don't remember how long A-level classes are, like the duration. But I know that, for me at least, my lectures were an hour and a half, which I, I found it really long, and I got distracted all the time. But I don't think they're much different. But you are generally sitting, well, places we've been, I'm, we're sitting in lecture theatres rather than a classroom. You're sitting in seats, maybe with flip out tables or something in front of you. And you are just sitting there to listen for an hour and a half. Yes. One thing I did notice is the seats are a lot comfier, <laughs> which makes a difference to if I'm going to pay attention. Yes. And you're allowed your laptop out. Yes, yeah, to make notes. You're allowed to make notes and your iPad. And I know some people record both audio and some people do video. With that, though, I was told that you have to ask your lecturer first because one of my lecturers didn't like to be recorded, so we weren't allowed to record the lecture. Right. So it's worth asking first just to make sure. Yep. But it is, there's generally lots of ways. So if you do find listening for an hour and a half not the most interesting, ADD, ADHD type people can do, is there are ways you can access that same thing. Yeah, so by recording or using text, speech to text, things like that. And also, my understanding is these lecturers I think there's a better relationship than you have at college. At college, generally, that person has hundreds of students coming through the week. But I think at university, they generally have smaller cohorts. Yeah, I think in my first year, in one of my classes, there was 150 people. But that's because it was just like a really popular subject. But by the end of the first term, there was only like 50. (laughs) Because people just didn't turn up or dropped off or but there is you'll you get to know your lecturers and they get to know you yeah so you build like a relationship with them and it, it's nice because they know how best to support you then so you just mentioned then not going to lectures what happens if you don't go to a lecture okay how many have you not been to <laughs> We used to, so we would have like a lecture in the morning and then what they called a workshop in the afternoon where you'd like sit in groups and do activities. And there was a few of those that I didn't go to because 
I didn't want to talk to other people. I found them pointless. Eventually, you will get an email from your lecturer asking where you are. And then if you miss like lots of lectures and things, there is possibility they'll just take you off the course. But if you miss a lecturer, what happens to the work you missed? Because obviously you've not listened to someone for an hour and a half. Really important key information. Is there a way you can access that information in a different way? You can download the PowerPoint because most of the lecturers do PowerPoints and things. You can download those from, I think, ours is Moodle or Blackboard. So it's an online resource where they upload everything. And so if you miss something, you can just go and download it and look at it in, in your own time. But with that, you don't get the added information of whatever your lecturer is telling you that might not be in the slides. Yeah. And I know that some people, if they can't make a thing, they generally arrange with another student is, can I get access to your notes or things like that? And they get the key information bits from that. So that's the thing I know sometimes, depending on what's going on with life, is for really valid reasons, you cannot go to a lecture. It's not the end of the world. You really need to go to as many as you can. But there are ways to access that information at different ways. And if that's something you are worried about, again, go talk to the university. Yes. Yeah. Because there are genuine times where you, you can't get to a lecture. And if you just let your tutor know, they're generally okay about it and just ask you to kind of catch up before the next next session. So you're going to, you're going to your classes and I know from various people, you're not having huge amount of lectures a week. Yeah, maybe I would have two lectures on a Monday, one on a Wednesday and one on a Friday. And then I'd have like two days off. So like catch up with like assignments and exam prep and everything else. So that's the thing. I think whereas college and school, you're generally in there every day and you've got lessons and you're doing the work in the lessons at university. It's that here's all the talk and you've got work to do, but you're doing that in your own time. And I think that's where I know I like more direction personally. If you just give me a whole day off, I am going to take a day off. If you said the word day off, that means I do not have to do any work. I, I kind of have that block in my head sometimes, and I definitely would have had a, a younger age. But that, I think that's one of those organizational skills. That is where I know one of my daughter will just crack on. My other daughter, we're going to have to work on getting her to do that. <laughs> yes, that, that's it. It's how you spend your time. They say independent study, but it, it never works out like that. <laughs> So what is that? Way? You, obviously, you, you generally write lots at uni. Yes. What other sort of stuff is that independent work? Now, I know it's going to be different for every course. Yeah. But there's lots of reading, I suppose. There is lots and lots of reading, especially because I do psychology. There's lots of theories and names and dates and things to remember. So it is very like theory and reading heavy. But other than that, We did a lot of practical stuff as well. So in my third year, I think it was, we got to do, we looked at equipment. So we got to use EEG machines and glasses. I can't think what they're called. 
like a special pair of glasses that you put on and it monitors your your gaze. Uh, we, okay. we, we got to play with a lot of equipment that can do practical hands-on stuff. So it does depend what course you're doing, but there yeah. are lots of different things that you do. So I know if you're doing something like science-based, geography-based, there's a lots of la- there can be labs involved and you're going in and lots of those, they have times where you're going off. So I know my daughters, she'll be up and down the coastline at different weeks, researching, collecting samples, analyzing, taking it back to the lab, doing this in the lab, checking this out. So it's a real mix of what you're doing. Yeah, it, it, it can be, like I say, depending on what you're studying, it's not just writing essays. Which, which people is kind ass- of what yeah people what ass- people assume that's what you do you just go and write essays well that's what happens when you you see a, some university on a film they're in a lecture or they're writing a dissertation yeah. or they're just in a bar yes <laughs> yeah. so to me that's university in a nutshell that's why people think that it's like that and then when you go you actually see that it's it's not like that at all no that's the thing is, as I, said, as I said before we started recording, I'm watching my daughter going to university, doing oceanology, ocean sciences, marines, and I'm really jealous. I am so jealous because I'm literally watching her and she's going to learn how to scuba dive. She's going to do this. She's going to go off to foreign countries and swim with amazing animals and do research and stuff like this. And I'm sitting in an office every day, ever so slightly jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous of that. So there are lots of different things. And one of the things I think is also a big challenge, which is going back to the right beginning of choosing those courses. You go to school, you do 10 GCSEs or 11 GCSEs, and there's maybe five or six other things, but generally it's in the same stuff. Now they bring in, my daughter's chosen psychology and sociology, which are going to be brand new to her in year 10. She really finds that interesting. But at A-levels, it's a little bit more. But at university, you get to this world where geography has now turned into 40 very different courses. Yeah. So are you doing the volcanic? Are you doing the rock? Are you doing climate change? Are you doing the waters? Are you in the water? Are you doing conservation? Are you doing the energy? Are you doing what it is you're doing? Yeah, it's much more specific. I know in psychology, I just did, it's called straight psychology, but there's also like counseling and psychotherapy. There's criminological and like forensic psychology. It's split into like different niches. Yeah. And so when you're going to look at, you've got to go talk to these people because my daughter's going, I think she, I thought she was doing marine science and the, which is all about the sea and the environment. And she, I really like the animals. So going, but you don't like cutting anything up. So we were actually have a conversation going, what happens if you don't like dissecting? He's like, that's fine. We generally like to do living things, so we don't like to cut much up because it's better for the environment. But I'm going to also go, but she hasn't done biology at A-levels. He went, that's fine because it's a different type of biology. So if you want to go on a course and you're not sure you have the correct areas, if it doesn't say you must, go talk to them. Yeah, I think you need the main ones like English, maths and science. But when I applied, I had never done psychology before and I went to do a psychology degree. So it doesn't really matter. It's certain things like having a science 
when they say science, they are talking biology, chemistry, physics. They're talking geography. They're also talking computer science because it's the process of analyzing and understanding is what they're really looking for. So you might not have done that, but if you've done that, it's giving you those skills which you're going to use, but they'll teach you about that topic or that area. So again, don't write yourself off without asking those questions. Yeah, I think a lot of people do that. They think, oh, well, I haven't got this, so I can't do this and I can't do that. But you probably can. Yes. So it's worth finding out and asking those questions. So let's flash back to you've been to university, you've made sure you've been to every lecture and afternoon activity and you haven't missed a single one because you're a good person, not struggling with anything in life at all and everything is perfect. End of your first year, kind of what did you look back on and go, wins, loses, wish I'd known, wish I that was great, I wish I'd known about that. Did you have any reflections at the end of that first year or were you just enjoying it or not? I wish I'd involved myself more in like going out and having fun because I didn't do that. I I stayed home and did a lot of work rather than experiencing like actual uni life. I also wish that I had planned my time better. So going into my second year, I knew that I needed to do this, this, this and this in order to make sure I wasn't stressing out at the last minute. Yeah, and I think I think you almost have to go through those things of not doing them to realize you should have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think generally you you learn through pain. Generally, what happens if you walk into a door, you learn to duck. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you get really stressed with life, you're going. I, I can't cope with this. I've got to. I've got to. And generally, you will then learn. Whereas when your mum said to you, "Make sure you get your work done. Make sure you stay organized," you went, "Yeah, yeah." And you ignore them. Yes. I'm now on that different bit where I'm now saying my daughters do this. And they look at me going, yeah, I did the same. I ignored my parents. And it's only when it impacts you do you then learn how to then change. Yes. And it's knowing that how you work and how you approach your work is probably going to be different to everyone else on your course. Because for me... I had to plan things in advance and get it finished and make sure I had enough time. But I had a friend who the night before the assignment was due, he sent me a message and said, I've done my assignment, but I don't like it. And I'm going to start again. And he spent his entire night doing a new assignment, submitted it at midnight and then got a first. (laughs) And I, I genuinely don't know how he did it. Wow. Wow. I'm not that bad, but I'm generally the person who, so far in my life, in education settings, just to be very clear, when I'm supposed to be learning, it looks like I'm putting the least effort in. Yeah, it's how I come across. I got called many things by my teachers, put the least effort in, and we'll come out with the highest grade. So I was, I'm not that level. I, I generally, I leave things but that's because when I was at school, it didn't matter to me. It was, for, it was for them. I didn't see the relevance. The more things become relevant, the more organized, the more effort I put in. Yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a real, to me, there is so much you learn about that independent learning, the independent study, being organized. There's so much you learn about yourself 
Yes. And you might be just like your parents. You might be that person who actually, if I did it the way my parents said the entire time, it works for me, but you're probably not. Yeah. You're probably someone who either you're the person who wakes up at 6am and gets cracking or you're the person who wakes up at 2pm and gets cracking at 9pm and finishes at 4am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're all very different and it is about finding what works for you, which kind of fits in with the world around you. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the, I think that's that challenge is this works for me, but the world won't accept that. So I've got to tweak slightly and then we can kind of fit in a world that I work my way, but I can fit in with everyone else. Yeah. And I think at university, you get more flexibility and freedom to work the way you want to work. As long as you get your assignment in on time, then that's yeah. all that matters. So I know you've written a whole book around going to university. Yes. But for those people listening, for parents or for people, young people who might be thinking about it, or even those who are teaching kind of post-16, people who might be going to university, what kind of final words of advice would you give about university that we haven't covered? Oh, I think we've covered everything. I would yeah that I would advise people just prepare yourself as much as you can so that you know what to expect so that you're not unfamiliar with things and you don't get there and suddenly panic and explore all your options and talk to people that that to me it was talking to people I, I had some views of university from when I was young when I was looking at universities and I had in my head this is how university is and for the most part, it is basically the same. The big part is um, is the amount of support that is openly available. Yes. So when I was looking, it was, oh, there is some support, but you've got to go to that building, but they're not open today. So I couldn't find out how much support. I couldn't find out on the open day I went to university, the accommodation bit was all closed. So you couldn't find anything about what it's like living at uni. And this was before emails. So it was a really, whereas going to university with my daughter is the amount of information they give you about the support and the different ways they can access it and being able to talk to the lecturers and ask questions. It, it, it absolutely blew me away. And as I said, I'm a lot more confident, and it sounds heartless, I'm going to drive away from my daughter, but in reality, that's what I need to do for her. Yeah. I need to go, this is your life. You go live it. I am at the end of the phone if you need me. Yeah. Banker dad will always exist, sadly. But you've got to go find out how you fit in. Yeah. But I'm always here for the support if you need it. But I don't want to be involved in her university life because I want her to find out the same way you did at the end of that first year. I wish I'd done that. I need to go do that. I don't want, I want her to go have those experiences and learn about her knowing that she can fall back on us. Yeah. But hopefully not so close that the first sight, first wobble, she's calling us. It's kind of, I've got to deal with this on my own. I'll get there. Okay, this really isn't working. Okay, then I'll talk to her. We want that. And that's thing, by seeing all that support and the options, and I know when you go to an open day, they are literally being as friendly as possible because – they're selling their university, but generally I feel 
what I see is the real people. Yeah. And they're not putting on a show. It's just how they are. Yeah. I mean, they do want you to come to their university, but I think that is what they're actually like. Yeah. Which is, it's nice to know that if I come to this university, this is what I'm going to get. The other thing I would say is you get bombarded with a lot of information. So don't make like a quick snap decision, process everything, look back at it and then choose. Yes. My daughter's college said go to five universities. And what was really interesting is we were only going to look at three and we hire, we put them in a hierarchy from the start. And the second choice didn't go to third. It went to like the 53rd out of three. It was so, but it was actually how they sold us the university on the, the effort they went into. It was literally went, don't like this. Whereas the other two did such an amazing job at really helping us feel welcome and understood. And we knew what was available and the court, we had so much information, it's blown us away. And then we did another one recently, which was actually, I loved it even more because my daughter's doing marine biology. They took us into, there's a separate building. And we went into this, the biggest lab I have ever seen. It could have 160 students. Wow. Because I looked at the maths. I literally looked at the seating plan and went, and the, but it had all the equipment, there TVs everywhere. So whatever was on the board, you had a TV right in front of you, like being on a plane almost, but it was a 40-inch TV. So, also, you could see everything. But they took all the parents and the students in, and they split us up into small groups, but then they took us around various practical things that were going on. So we actually got to see, well, this is what I'm doing on my course. Well, this is one experience experiments you do, and this is what it's telling you. So we did a very practical hands-on day at this university just having these students take us through what they are doing on their course i think that's really nice that you actually get to see what goes on and we just met so many students who were having such fun and they go do you have any questions either a about what i'm doing or b my life at uni and so parents would go well where do you live and that's when we found out this girl who Trans, trans travel journey in the third year that's the only time she lived there they give you tips about oh if you bring a car you've got to have a parking permit but this is the best one because it gives you this and they give you all these little tips yeah that you're not going to get out of a prospectus or anything and they're really honest because they want you to have a good time at uni yeah it's all those little things that you wouldn't know about unless someone tells you no and they make, no. they make a huge difference. So if you are going to go to university, make sure you go to it. There are open days throughout the year. And generally, I think we went long, and there were the current year 13s who were about to start. When we looked end of last year, they were the year 13s going up, whereas we were in year 12 um, looking. So there are open days throughout the year. Go have a look at a load. Go ask those questions. Don't decide things until you talk to someone who actually knows. You know you, but you don't know you in that environment. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's the thing. Everyone says, oh, the parents, yeah, you are the expert of your child. But you're an expert of your child at home with you there. Go talk to people. Go find out if you're not there, what's that support like? What is the options and things like that? And if you are someone who works in the college and you're not sure, go have, go visit, go yeah. on one of the open days for college and uh, to a university and go, Oh, okay. This is what's available and ask and talk yourself. 
I, I just, to me, they were really, really inclusive. And that's the best thing. They were the, probably the most inclusive places I've been to, which is phenomenal. They, they really are. It's so much, it's like a different ethos. Yes. Yes, definitely. So for me, going to university, great. It's not for everyone, not depending on your career path. It's not, you have to. But if you want to, and it's going to benefit you, then go do it. Yeah. Don't decide I won't be able to, or I can't go find out what it's like before you make that decision. Yeah. I I second that. I didn't think I could. And obviously I can. And just enjoy yourself as well. Enjoy yourself. Yes. The thing is, there's lots going on there. And generally, I'm just watching the excitement in the daughter's face because she's going to spend three years studying something she's really interested in, which will then lead on to a career of something she's really interested in. And if she can access it and do it with support or no support or whatever, then go do it. Yeah. And if you do drop out at university, okay, you dropped out at university. What does that mean in life? Not a lot. Yeah. You can always yeah. try again. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. Yeah. That's the thing. There are so many things. I know someone who we're in the Southeast. They went all the way to university up in Edinburgh. They dropped out in the first year. And basically it was just too far from home. It felt that isolated. They went to university closer, flew through. Yeah. It's the little things that make the big difference. So sometimes you do want to get away from your parents. But it's that Goldilocks zone. Yeah. <laughs> not too far that I'm isolated, not too close that I, I just live at home if I don't if I want to get away. It's that being far enough away that I have to be on my own and I support myself. But you know, if my dad if I need my dad, he can drive to me within three hours. Yes. Or my mum. <laughs> but also don't write off and don't see anything wrong with being at university from home. There's probably a lot more people doing that than you realise. Yeah. So don't think, oh, you have to go away to university. You don't. University is a qualification. You learn a lot about yourself either way, and depending on your life. But you don't think you have to be away to go to university. Excellent. I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap up the university podcast. So thank you for coming on the show today, Victoria. I didn't realise you were doing a PhD. Yes. Not many people do, unless I specifically <laughs> tell them. When you said I'm at university, I was like, oh, she's at university. Oh, yeah, I've done this. Like, oh, it's in the master's. Like, oh, I'm doing a PhD. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you do like university. Yes. And the fact you're doing a PhD with autism and ADHD means it is achievable for those with autism or ADHD or both. Exactly. So it is good to promote that, actually. Just because you have autism or ADHD doesn't mean you can't. You just must have might tweak it slightly. And you can. So Victoria's given me some links. So you can find her on various social medias. She's also given me a look to give me a link to her book, The Autistic Guide to University. And you'll find those in the show notes, as always, wherever you listen to the podcast or on the Sendcast website. So thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, please click on that subscribe button. You can follow us on all the social medias, Twitter at the Sendcast, on Facebook the Sendcast. And on Instagram, the Sendcast, I really should be saying on X, the Sendcast, but that just sounds wrong. But that's a whole other thing. 
And if you're looking for a simple, secure way to capture and share evidence of learning, or a way to capture pupil voice, a way to celebrate and share those big achievements, however small, or a more engaging homeschool diary, you need to have a look at Eversense. Eversense is a tool from B Squared. It is our evidence system that does so much more, yet is really cost effective. To find out more about Eversense, visit the B Squared website, and you can also find out about our online training, our CPD, you can read our blog, watch our webinars, and you'll find a link to the website and a a link to book a meeting with me so i take you through ever since or answer any questions you have and you'll find all of that in the show notes so thank you for listening we'll be back next week with another episode of the sendcast it's goodbye from me goodbye bye